Ever wonder why 95% of leads do not convert? Why cold call rates are down and prospects don't open our emails? Why our responses of robocalls and implanting pixels to track user interaction, mostly without permission, is backfiring spectacularly? Well, that's what we intend to find out here in the Buyerside Chat podcast. There are scores of podcasts about selling, but most miss the shift that has come upon the buying selling process. The initiative has since moved from the supply to the demand side. The Buyer Side Chat, your podcast of record for B2B buying, talks to actual buyers, persons, not personas, in the quest to understand the real buyer's journey, their trials and tribulations, challenges and outcomes they're striving for. Welcome to the Buyer Side Chat. Thank you for your time and for joining us in this session. I have a favor to ask. While you continue to listen to the podcast, please leave a comment or rating at iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts from. I personally look at each comment and will give you a shout out to each of you in our following episodes. It means a lot to hear from you. Just a quick intro to Pitchlink. Typically, once the explainer video on your site is watched, the communication plan falls squarely on the visitor's court. Your prospect who took the trouble to find you via your search-optimized content or various digital marketing advertising now has landed on your website and watched your succinct explainer. She's interested in your product. What next? Now she has to navigate your website, go to various links to see product information, detailed demos, customer testimonials, and use cases. That's when she drops off. No one except the desperate has the patience. Build your story, line up all relevant information and collaterals, target it to each ICP and lead them to a cogent near personal narrative. Capture their data if you so desire or lead them to your existing funnel to register, all with the public pitch link feature. Want to know more? Sign up for a free one-on-one session. Now, on to our guest for today. Today, we have with us James Meads, managing partner, James Meads Consulting, delivering real visible savings to procurement teams and manufacturing business leaders, specializing in FMCG, industrial manufacturing, and automotive industries. Sales have good data because they have fewer customers, fewer SKUs generally, uh, and fewer people that touch that data. Procurement data is inherently bad in most organizations. And that, if you ask a CPO, a chief procurement officer, what their biggest challenges are uh, to digitize their function or to work more strategically, they will either say resource or data quality. James is a seasoned procurement professional who now helps mid-market companies with their procurement digitization strategies and works as an advisor to procurement technology startups on their product development and marketing strategies. He's also the host of the popular weekly show, The Procure Tech Podcast, featuring all that is exciting and innovative in the digital procurement space. Let us dive right into this conversation with James Meads. James, welcome to the show. I'm delighted to have you here, and thank you for joining me in the in your afternoon. and uh, And I'm I'm delighted to have you here. No, thank you, Sabanjan. It's a pleasure to be here. Looking forward to the interview, actually, just to to dig into a few topics of sales versus procurement. So, uh, yeah, let's jump in. Yes, absolutely. So, before we 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 do that, because I'm I'm quite sure it's going to get intense. Why don't you tell our listeners uh, about your background in procurement and what uh, is keeping you busy these days? 
Yes, I mean, I spent 18 years in the in the procurement space. So I spent I spent 16 years in the corporate world, uh, in the automotive industry, and then in the FMCG, fast moving consumer goods industry. Started my career in the UK in automotive at Jaguar Land Rover, and then worked for a couple of tier one suppliers. Uh, through one of those that facilitated a move out to Germany. And I spent actually most of my professional career uh, in Germany. Uh, I left the automotive industry and went to work in FMCG after the 2008-2009 recession, realized I wanted to work in an industry that was a bit more recession-proof. <laughs> so I went to work for a company that makes toilet paper, because so, we all know that everyone needs that in a recession. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, I stayed in that industry working for two different employers in that industry until I left the corporate world, which was at the end of 2018. You know, the main the main pull factors for me in terms of setting my setting myself up were really I wanted to have location independence. Uh, I wanted to have lower cost of living and pay less tax ultimately because they're the two biggest things we all spend our money on. Yeah. Um, and and I just grew a little bit tired of all of the administrative bureaucracy that I had to deal with in a category management role in in the corporate world. You know, I spent I felt like a very highly paid admin assistant, to be frank. Mm. And, uh, and and I, I probably spent about 50 percent of my time doing non-strategic work. And that's really what I mean, I guess we'll talk about this a little bit later, but that's really what got me interested in the whole digital procurement space, understanding a little bit more about you know, automation, better data, what can that drive? How can that create efficiencies with the use of things like AI and RPA um, to facilitate that? And that ultimately led me to that the idea to start a podcast all about digital procurement technology called it's called the ProcureTech podcast it's a weekly show and that's really sort of at the center of what I'm sort of building and growing now after after doing the necessary evil of doing a, a, some contract work to pay the bills I'm sort of focusing for the next year uh, on really growing that and and being a little bit poorer while I do in the typical startup founder ethos <laughs> yeah wonderful uh, uh, this, this is interesting because um, uh, I was speaking to uh, I was getting interviewed for a change in another podcast called the sales reinvented podcast and uh, one of the things I mentioned there was that if sales folks have to stay relevant and with the whole onslaught of AI and technology and all that uh, one of the thoughts that I have is they have to really excel in using technology you cannot remain a salesperson for the next 10 years, if you say, oh, I'm going to do human to human, and I am not really good at using HubSpot or Salesforce or Marketo or what have you, uh, that's not an option, according to me. So, uh, and, and we can revisit if you have a difference of opinion. So, so I, I completely agree at on one point, and I, and I see the focus that you have, that whoever is doing whatever, it doesn't matter. So, it's true for procurement as it's true for sales or true for people who are writing copy uh, that you have to be tech savvy. It's not tech friendly anymore. You have to be tech savvy because if you don't, people who are, because tech is going to evolve and, and will evolve in ways that you would not imagine. That's, that's the whole thing, right? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 and I do, I do agree. I do agree with your with your general statement. But I, I also think that sales, certainly more than marketing, 
still needs to be a lot more human to human in the sense that you may leverage you may leverage AI or you may leverage outsourcing to do cold prospecting, but for your for your A customers or for your warm leads, there still needs to be that human to human interaction because if the ultimately if I as a buyer don't like the salesperson or the key account manager, I'm gonna do less business with him or her, you know, unless they've got a product or a USP that's uh, that that sort of blows that out of the water. So yeah, I, I do agree up to a point. So uh, just let let me clarify that and then we'll move on. Uh, when I say that you need to be technology, I, I think being able to connect as a human being is stable stakes. You don't even have to talk about it. But but technology is also stable stakes. You cannot be a great communicator and not have anybody to communicate to. But that's my <laughs> limited point. <laughs> we'll move on. No, no, no absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So... So, 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 James, let's let's dive in and 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 tell me what do you think is going wrong between salespeople and procurement people? Where is the gap? It's like that, you know, the gap that existed for the last two decades uh, between marketing and sales. Apparently, in the same organization, they can't talk to each other. Uh, what's going on between sales and procurement? Do you know what, Subhanjan? I, I think that sales and procurement can learn so much from each other. Instead of instead of sending procurement people onto their annual course to refresh their negotiation skills, which typically is what procurement spends their budget on, maybe a little bit less so now, now that it's more, more about stakeholder management. But if if you put procurement and sales in a in a room together in a in a conference suite for two days, they would learn so much from each other. I think if I look at it from the sales side, I think sales have often seen procurement as being an administrative function or essentially a box ticker that has to be involved at the end of the process to to make sure that a, that a contract or a quotation is is okay with the company's legal terms or with the company's internal policies to make sure that they've gone to three suppliers and got quotations if they have a three bids and a buy policy you know to make sure there are not there, there are not any any legal or compliance concerns and and while that may have been the case 10 to 15 years ago or maybe still may be the case in some more old school businesses i think what if a salesperson doesn't realize that the worm is turning and, and procurement is becoming a highly strategic function, especially now when you look at all of the supply chain challenges and, 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 and some of the initiatives that are now coming in in terms of sustainability and risk and compliance, that will it may not be led entirely by procurement, but procurement is going to be actively involved in all of that. So what does that mean? To a salesperson, well, it means procurement is going to be involved in the decision-making process a lot earlier than perhaps they were historically. So instead of what's historically happened where a stakeholder walks by the procurement department, puts a quote on the buyer's desk and says, this is the guy I want to buy from. Can you negotiate 5% out of the quote and make sure that the, that the terms are okay? I would be surprised if that still happens in, in a few years' time because compliance will let's put the cost the whole cost and negotiation thing to one side compliance requirements will outlaw will, will prevent that from happening 
within most corporate organizations, certainly within most big corporate organizations. So I think the savvy salesperson needs to recognize that procurement is moving from being essentially an administrative box ticking function in many enterprises to being a lot more strategic. And, you know, they already have been this way in, in sort of market leading um, innovative companies for, for for quite a long time. But that that is going to exponentially change and, and grow in, in other firms as well. So I think what a salesperson needs to realize is that the procurement person isn't their enemy, which they maybe think they are, because a, it's going to become decision making is going to become a lot less price driven. And, and while procurement will still want to see price transparency to understand that you're not ripping them off, decisions holistically are going to involve a lot more stakeholders and they're going to be much more around total cost of ownership and 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 the triple bottom line, you know, assuming that sustainability gains more of an agenda as well. So all of that points towards procurement being a lot more involved in the process a lot earlier on. And the, the classical relationship of someone wanting to go and buy something for a project and just dumping it on procurement's desk and saying, we need an order today, otherwise we'll miss our timeline, ain't going to happen in future. Yeah, I, I totally agree. In fact, uh, there are a lot of uh, threads that come out of what you just said. Uh, I, I, I have been talking to lots of buyers. And when I say buyers, I don't necessarily mean the procurement head. I mean the CIO, the CTO, uh, people who are actually owning the need, right? So right. procurement was, I mean, procurement traditionally was the, as you rightly said, this is what the vendor is quoting. I'm going to buy from him, knock off some, do some negotiation, bring the price down and see that we get it. And in the process, we have to sort of wrangle two more uh, quotes from somebody else, figure it out and do that necessary admin thing so that we check all the boxes uh, in your words and, and let's go back and, and sort of buy from him uh, or her, whatever. So, so I, I, I totally see that. At, at the same time, I, I also hear that the procurement department is also becoming subject matter experts. As it's, as it's moving forward, they are, they are being a lot more involved in the business, which means they're a lot more aware of what kind of needs are going to come up. So even before the CIO can sort of come to them, they have already figured that if we are going to go in for this plant expansion uh, and we need to get a painting line, I need to start looking at people who can potentially, uh, so, so, so when some sort of vendor development, you mentioned it as uh, supply relationship management. Uh, it's also uh, variously spoken as vendor relationship management and so on and so forth. So, so all of that is going to bring them to the CXO table, possibly, uh, as sustainability, as local procurement, as a lot of the things that we have seen emerge uh, over the last two years of the pandemic come center stage. Uh, I, I think a lot more strategic uh, role will be coming to them. Tell me one one thing. So, so the procurement person is not really the end beneficiary, right? They are actually trying to help the end beneficiary to get what they want, right? So that's right. So, who else, from your vantage point, from your experience of of being inside large organizations and and the, and the numerous people you are talking to on your podcast, 
what actually constitutes what people are referring as the buying committee. Uh, who else is there besides the procurement person? And, and, and then my follow-up question to that would be, you say that a key element is to engage early, and I completely agree with that. The vendor should engage early with the procurement or with the company that they intend to sell to. How can they get that throughput? So first, who else is in the buying uh, committee? Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a great question and it's quite a difficult one to answer because it it highly it, it's highly dependent on what you're buying. Sure. If you're if you're buying if you're buying capital equipment for a for a production line, then typically, then typically the 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 head of engineering or technology would be would would be involved or someone within within their department. Um, the the plant manager and the project and, and the project engineering team that are that that are typically involved in in the production plant that it's going to go into there would be someone from 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 quality or health and safety at some point involved in the process as well um if you're buying something like it or marketing services then it would be somebody within the cmo or the cio's uh uh, structure in in, in, within their organization i guess the the key question is here then who is then who is then leading that discussion? What is procurement's role within that relationship? Because procurement doesn't have a budget. Procurement essentially is the internal service function that spends other people's money. So it's a, it's a little bit like it's a little bit like if I want to go out and buy an expensive piece of real estate and I and I hire a I hire I hire a property search consultant. They're they're essentially spending my money, so I'm telling them what I want. But I'm trusting their judgment and their expertise that they can source it, negotiate it and understand the market better than I can because it's not my job to. You know, if I'm if I'm there to run a marketing organization or if I'm there to to produce widgets on a production line, I don't understand contract management. I don't understand sourcing. I don't understand bid evaluation. So I think it's really understanding what are the roles and responsibilities. So in the in the most simple sense. It's the stakeholder's responsibility to provide a detailed certification to enable procurement to go out to the market and source it. And they may have a preferred supplier, but they shouldn't be dictating to procurement who who some who a good or service is is purchased from because they don't. Okay, maybe in the maybe in the case of marketing, they understand the market better in terms of agencies if that's what. That's what they're doing all day. But in terms of capital equipment or anything like that, it's, it's it's much more nuanced in terms of being able to identify, okay, who is the best supplier at the best at the best total cost or at the best total value to the business. So engaging procurement needs to be an active stakeholder and take interest in the market and understand the stakeholder and understand the stakeholders' needs. And and I think to, and to do that, they need to be able to dedicate the time and the resource to develop and build that relationship to really understand well what's important for my stakeholder uh, and how can i be aligned with his or her business goals because that apart from the cfo all of my stakeholders business goals are not going to be making savings whereas what is procurement traditionally measured on and 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 this really rubs me up the wrong way when people start saying that you know procurement is not all about savings well yes it's not 
But if procurement teams continue to be measured on savings and, and be told, well, yeah, but you've got to make your stakeholders happy as well. Guess what they're going to focus on? What gets them their bonus or what gets them their promotion or their, their, their good performance review at the end of the year? So, yes, it's very on the one hand, yes, we need to we need to build and we need to invest in those relationships. And I think procurement professionals traditionally have been really poor at marketing and internal communication, especially when you compare it with sales or, uh, or or any sort of environmental health and safety department. They're 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 so good at internal communication by comparison. So I do think that procurement need to work on that. Uh, you know, stop sending out policies that are very autocratic and and that are ten pages long, written in Microsoft Word, because no one reads them. Do a do a thirty second video to tell to tell people eighty percent of what they need to know. Get it in your company's newsletter. Get it on your internet. Get it marketed well throughout the throughout the different departments. That's the only way that you're going to win hearts and minds. I mean, you can only you, know, you can look at various examples from the media and from politics of how that's how that's done in a in a wider field, or even you know just looking at how things things like policies on COVID nineteen have, have sort of influenced and persuaded people through the media and through government campaigns. So, I do think that taking the time and investing the resource to do that is absolutely key and you'll only do that if you can eliminate a lot of the busy work and the administrative tasks that that procurement end up being dragged into because unlike in sales procurement run a pretty tight ship and we don't have teams of admin assistants to do all of our spade work like like sales perhaps have so you know maybe that sort of maybe segues nicely onto the technology piece but i do think that that is a big obstacle in procurement, being able to build and nurture those relationships. It's time for a short break. Stay with us. After the break. It's pretty easy to measure hard cost savings that hit the P&L. I mean, that's the, that's the easy part. So if you're, buying, if you're buying something like coal or if you're buying metal or if you're buying any sort of commodity, it's quite easy to measure that versus the market price and whether you're above or below. Similarly, it's quite it's quite easy to measure, you know, if you're making a saving on a services contract that you if you're moving from one supplier to another and okay, that's what I'm paying per per month for cleaning. Where it becomes hard is to measure things that are not immediately obvious in the bottom line, and that's things like anything that is cost avoidance. You are listening to a business podcast network original. Podcasting is the fastest growing content marketing opportunity, which is untapped. We can help you craft your audio strategy and help leverage the wide reach and easy streaming capability that the smartphone penetration provides. It is easy, it is powerful and personal. Talk to us to find out how podcasting can help you build your brand and reach out to your targets like never before. Write to us at bpn at bizcast.in. That is BPN at B-I-Z-C-A-S-T dot I-N. Business Podcast Network. Podcasts end to end. Welcome back. I'm Shubhanjan Sarkar, your host for the Buyer Side Chat and founder of Pitchling, the Buyer Seller Engagement Platform. Let's dive right back into this episode from where we left it. The way to prove value is by measuring the value and, and the metrics for measurement and the value definition has to be correct. 
So if your if your value as a procurer is based on how much money you quote unquote saved, because we don't really know it was real savings or not, right? Till 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 actually two years down the line when the when the when the plant is on steam and so on and so forth, uh, we we don't know we don't know uh, what really works out. So unless we work out uh, new matrices to measure uh, outcome, and and that's where I think aligning everybody to the company outcome is so critical and not have siloed outcomes which are defined on faulty premise. Uh, and and I'll, I'll, I'll also not say faulty because, uh, J- James, a lot of these practices are literal legacy uh, that we are carrying from the industrial era. So if you're buying coal and you can negotiate that for this 100 million tons of coal that you're buying, you have negotiated two cents less and how much money you have saved, it's it's very very transparent because a coal is coal and okay I'm I know it's not but you get the drift but but the point is when you are saying I'm going to do a ERP implementation which is in turn going to do 20 other things for your outcome for the corp company and if your focus is on saving money maybe they don't gel together no yeah yeah I I would I would agree with that I mean there's it's pretty easy to measure hard cost savings that hit the P&L. I mean that's the that's the easy part. So if you're buying, if you're buying something like coal, or if you're buying metal, or if you're buying any sort of commodity, it's quite easy to measure that versus the market price and whether you're above or below. Similarly, it's quite it's quite easy to measure, you know, if you're making a saving on a services contract that you if you're moving from one supplier to another, and okay, that's what I'm paying per per month for cleaning. Where it becomes hard is to measure things that are not immediately obvious in the bottom line and that's things like anything that is cost avoidance or anything that or anything that is that is difficult to measure in in the pnl so if you're if you're saving if you're saving man hours on the production line through um perhaps paying more for a spare part that doesn't have to be replaced so often it's it's more difficult to measure that you know, unless you've got very consistent consumption from one year to the next, which usually you don't have, um, just as an example. So, yeah, absolutely. If it, it's very difficult and there are tools out there now that are trying to do it or trying to in, or, not, or trying to create visibility of it. But a, a huge part of what procurement does day in and day out is price increase avoidance and cost avoidance. And, and that doesn't get recognized by a typical CFO because it's not something that's immediately visible on the bottom line. But if they turned around tomorrow and said, we're not going to spend any more time and resource on these activities because we don't get recognized for it, the business would pretty soon notice the financial impact of of that not happening. Very true. So, So tell me a bit about how sales folks can engage with procurement early. Because I think that's a theme. I mean, for example, if you're if you're getting intent data and figuring out James is out there buying whatever or looking for whatever, that means five other competitors also have the same data, access to the same data. And you have potentially finished 70, 80% of your journey in terms of you pretty much know who you want to buy from and why you want to buy from that, that organization and so on. It's very late in the journey. So engage early. Engage early is the mantra, right? But if I ask, how do you engage early? I'm a vendor and you are a potential uh, procurement person who is 
going to get some requirement from somebody else inside the organization and say, oh, I need this. Please go and buy it. How do you engage early? I think it depends highly on on what it is and how strategic the purchase is. So, I mean, if, if you're supplying office furniture and you want to try and speak to somebody in procurement, then it's probably not going to be a high priority for them because it's a fairly non-strategic tail end spend type of type of commodity. If you're someone, if you've developed a new software application that can halve the cost or the time taken to, to perform a specific activity within an organization, or if you've developed an innovative raw material that, that helps to increase uptime on a production line and you want to get in touch with procurement, the, it's kind of, it's, there's sort of the carrot and stick approach. On the one hand, firms need to encourage stakeholders to active or coerce in some cases, <laughs> stakeholders to actively engage with procurement and, uh, and you know have a policy that says, you know, procurement are responsible for essentially managing your spend up to a certain degree. Uh, but on the other hand, it's procurement people are notoriously hard to be able to get into contact with you know how many how many companies websites have an option you know every company's website has a contact sales button on there or a contact sales link on their homepage how many of them have contract procurement you know pretty much none and you know okay on 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 the on the on the one hand on the one hand yeah okay they don't want 100 people spamming them spamming them with you know we're some factory in china that makes these widgets do you want to buy from us but, but on the other hand, you've got to have a way to be able to engage potential suppliers with buyers without them having to fill out a 30-page questionnaire detailing their diversity policy, their quality policy, all of their insurance certificates and, and their bank details and you know their mother's maiden name and what type of car they drive. Okay, I'm being a bit sarcastic, but it, it, we don't make it easy. And, and I think as long as there is a way of pre-qualifying them to make sure that you don't get these generic spammy requests, you know, I, as I'm sure you do, I probably get about 10 a week offering me SEO services or something like that in my inbox. As long as you've got that in place, we have to make it easier to approach and engage us as procurement professionals. And, and I don't think we cover ourselves in glory at the moment by how hard we make it for suppliers, potential suppliers to contact us. So, yes, we need to pre-qualify them to avoid us just getting overwhelmed with spam. But there has to be there has to be a more user friendly way to do it now, because um, not every supplier is going to have the interest or the will to to jump through all of the bureaucratic hoops to see if they fit to being a vendor without at least having a conversation beforehand to to ascertain you know what's the likelihood of me doing business with this company very true and that that brings us to your uh, your uh, favorite piece which is how is digital procurement technology and ai going to actually impact this i think on the if we're talking purely around sourcing or or awareness of what suppliers are out there in the marketplace you know there are there are there are tools out there now that 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 can that can search the market and that can come uh, and that can come up with potential vendors both internally within an existing company's vendor base and and externally based on the criteria that you put in just to to answer that 
that specific example but in the wider more holistic sense it will it will it will do a number of things that will that will facilitate that whole process being easier it will it will free up buyers time because it will automate uh, or 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 eliminate a lot of repetitive tasks that the buyers are currently having to do manually so it will remove a lot of the day-to-day firefighting and administrative transactional work the procurement teams are doing which should then in turn free up more time i mean okay yes the buyer in question then has to have the right skills to be able to think a bit more strategically and that's another question you know how will how will that impact how procurement teams look or maybe how how big organizations interact with bpos at the moment that are that are doing some of this more lower lower end work it will it will improve the quality of data that procurement has around us sales have good data because they have fewer customers fewer skus generally uh, and fewer people that touch that data procurement data is inherently bad in most organizations and that if you ask a cpo the chief procurement officer what their biggest challenges are uh, to digitize their function or to work more strategically they will either say resource or data quality and resource being tied into the fact that they're doing a lot of transactional work or data quality if you can use ai to to, to cleanse master data and it will still need a human touch you know even if even if you talk to these companies that sell this they will admit that you can only do it to about sort of 50 60 percent accuracy but it will take away a lot of the a lot of the day-to-day work and and just and and with a lot of data analysis as well like rfps if you're doing rfps you can use ai and you can use software to be able to analyze the bids without you having to download it into excel and do it manually um just a few examples so this will it will improve data quality it will free up time and it will enable procurement teams to be able to stand on the same level as salespeople in terms of the level of data and the level of preparation that they're able to do before they go to tender or before they go into a, a, a commercial negotiation so i think it will empower procurement teams but they need to think long term and they need to see this as a long term investment because some of this won't necessarily pay back immediately it will pay back immediately if you automate your procure to pay process because then you can focus your resource on more strategic activity and it will pay back pretty much just through efficiency but if you're investing in cleaning all of your master data you're probably not going to see the payback for that within a year but it's a long term investment because the cost of doing nothing is way higher in terms of the opportunity cost of falling behind your competition so there are clear benefits but companies need to see the longer term and they also need to think what will my procurement organization look like in five to ten years time because it's it's going to look very different to what it looks like now so one quick question before we talk about what is the future that you see this this different look what is that look that you're talking about so quick question is when you talk of data are you talking of internal data of which is related to usage and activity of the organization or are you talking of external data which is related to the vendor um mainly mainly internal data but the external data is an interesting one i can touch briefly on that but i'm talking mainly um material master data and vendor master data it is notoriously poor within procurement 
because supply because a, a typical organization will have more suppliers than they do customers and procurement teams don't for the most part own or control or maintain a vast proportion of that data. If you look at the typical Pareto analysis, 20% of your supply base will represent 80% of your spend. And they're typically the vendors that are managed by procurement. But then you've got this big long tail that if they've changed their bank accounts or changed their address or changed their VAT number, you're going to get invoice issues because you know, if uh, if I got a if if I got a euro for every time accounts payable lost an invoice, I'd be a very rich person. <laughs> you know, this if if there's one organisation that you should send a crack lean team into to look at how many invoices get lost, you know, send them into accounts payable. You know, I'm not joking. So mm. that creates a lot of busy work in procurement because when the vendor doesn't get paid, they don't call accounts because typically they don't respond. They call the buyer because he or she is the one that can do something about it. Ultimately, true, true. Let's let's talk about this procurement organization of the future. What what do you see five, seven years down the line? I, I see and this is perhaps maybe ten years down the line, but when you when you consider even now we're we're still talking about the early adopters that are doing this, but I see most transactional procurement roles will be eliminated because they will be because they will be automated to the large extent. You will need a human to supervise the work and to sanity check. Uh, what's going on but the model now of outsourcing transactional bpo in latin america or india or eastern europe to do to do a lot of the grunt work that will go so i think the operating model of bpos will will change enormously over the next few years there will be a lot more space for data analysts and data scientists in procurement. And I think there will be a team of data analysts and data scientists and programmers that will report directly into a procurement organization. Because if you're using AI, you know, AI can't think for itself. You know, you program it to do something that you want it to do. Um, So you will need people that understand those algorithms and that can interpret what it's spitting out. So you will need programmers and data scientists together with skilled procurement professionals to be able to understand what the AI is 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 outputting because a programmer can't really understand whether that data is garbage, but he has the skills to be able to program it to to do what the procurement professional wants it to do. So I think that will be a that will be a significant change. I think there will be there will be much more focus on, and this is something that I find quite technocratic and quite boring but there will be a lot more focus on compliance and governance yeah through necessity through the world that we live in you know things like cybersecurity and sustainability and um uh corporate social responsibility that that will become much more of a thing i also believe that procurement pure play procurement professionals, you know, with maybe 15, 20 years category management expertise, while that will be a key skill, I don't think that will make up the core of procurement teams. So you will need people in procurement that have that knowledge so as they can garner the respect of the stakeholders that they're that they're dealing with and that they're building relationships with. But I also think that procurement as a function will focus much more on 
marketing and internal communication to be able to get their message heard because sales and like I say environmental health and safety have been brilliant at this over the years and I think procurement have been absolutely rubbish at it if I'm honest you know we don't really sell what we do and I think part of that is you touched on it a little bit before I think part of it is because we've reported such spurious numbers as savings that we lost a lot of credibility in doing so and and I think we need to win that back. And the only way we're going to do that is through being better at storytelling and marketing and internal comms. Uh, and, you know, no one's going to read an Excel spreadsheet that we send out or a PowerPoint around how much we've saved. We've got to tell, we've got to tell that story better. So I think that they're, 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 they're the big ones. I also think it will become a lot less, it will become a lot flatter as an organization as we, uh, as we move forward, I think I think that will follow too. That certainly innovation and ideas from um, from the floor, from sort of more more junior level roles, will have to be heard. Because I mean, I was banging my head against the wall for years, just saying how much time I was spending on pointless tasks, and nobody really listened to me. You know, I, 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 my boss just laughed, but I did say, you know. Why am why are you paying me this salary to make to do my own travel expenses or to fill out contract approval forms? Get an admin assistant to do it. You wait, it's wasting company resource that I'm doing this. I don't enjoy it and it's a waste of money. And I think those types of innovations will have to be heard more because otherwise, if you if people in the ivory tower only talk to one another, progress will never be made. Because they don't understand like politicians, they don't really understand. You know, politicians always question, you know, why does someone like Trump get elected? Because because he understood or claimed to understood uh, to understand the frustrations of of the common blue collar guy in Ohio that, that that had seen his real earnings decline over the last 20 or so years. And I think it's, it's the same in corporate organizations. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think I, I quite agree. And these roles can actually completely get done away with in certain kind of organizations sooner than later, both the sales role and the procurement role because a lot of it can be automated it's pretty much like how traders in the stock markets got written out of the of the story uh, so very yeah. very similar things are possible yeah no i think there, there and and it's good to end on that because i think there are there are more parallels between sales and procurement than than each party thinks and you know it's kind of been flipped on the other side now as a business owner you know i i have to do I have to do sales to earn money. There aren't, there's not much commonality between prospecting and procurement, but there's a lot of commonality in terms of, you know, how do you nurture that lead into a sale versus, you know, how do you manage supplier relations? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The buyer site chat is brought to you by Pitchlink, the buyer seller engagement platform. Pitchlink enables high-quality interactions between buyers and sellers through presentation and discussion modules. Sellers create personalized sales presentations and reach out to prospects through a non-intrusive, buyer-qualified engagement. Pitchlink requires no installation or download and holds the entire repository of sales collaterals and buyer-seller conversation. Talk to us to know more about how you can engage with customers without intrusion. Call us on 650-847-5884. That is 650-847-5884. James, this was uh, quite uh, 
revealing discussion uh, <laughs> for the lack of a better word but uh, but I, I think there are some pointers which one should discuss more in depth in in future episodes and and I would love to continue this conversation with you thank you very much for joining me today no I would love to thank you Sapanjan for having me on and uh, yeah it was a pleasure thank you we have a fantastic lineup over the next couple of episodes featuring great conversations unraveling in depth how the real buyers buy stay tuned thank you for being with us today on the buyer side chat this is the podcast of record for the buyer side journey and those who know that's the journey that matters we hope this conversation helped you with insights that you can go and apply right now to your own value transaction process see you in the next episode of the buyer side chat